Coming up on this week's episode of the Hogbeat Hour brought to you by Rivals.com. We're going to be talking about Arkansas's decision to fire Chad Morris, uh, promote Barry Lunny as the interim head coach. We're going to talk about everything we've heard in the coaching search so far, recruiting, hoops, and lots more. Let's do it. Welcome to the Hogbeat Hour, brought to you by Rivals and Hogbeat.com. I'm Nikki Chavanel, Managing Editor over at Hogbeat. And I'm Andrew Hutchinson, the lead team reporter and uh, stats guru, I guess you could call it. Uh, it has been quite a busy week. Luckily, my boyfriend was out of town in Europe, so I haven't had to focus on any personal life. I've been all Arkansas football all the time, and Hutch is over here. <laughs> Meanwhile, I am uh, about to have my first child. Uh, my wife is uh, 39 weeks plus pregnant, and uh, next week I'll probably be a dad. So this is fantastic timing for Andrew Hutchinson and family <laughs> right now. Uh, thanks, Marley. Shout out to Marley Hutchinson. She's the best. Um, so Arkansas fired Chad Morris. It kind of went down Saturday night as Hunter Juracek talked to the chancellor and the president or whatever. Are, are they two separate people? One yeah, person? he talked to the chancellor, who then recommended it to the president, okay, who recommended it to the board. Yeah, you got to pass through all sorts of uh, chain of command. And uh, he met with Chad Morris one-on-one, -on -one and it was an emotional decision, but with just four wins in less than two seasons and a basic, like, just complete halt in progress after the A&M game, I think it was just pretty clear that these guys don't kind of believe in Chad Morris and don't want to play for him anymore. And that in turn has led fans to stop showing up to games. It's costing who knows how many millions of dollars. What were your initial reactions to this happening? I feel like we kind of saw it coming. Yeah, I mean, we definitely saw it coming. I mean, I had a 1,200, <laughs> 1,500-word story of Chad being fired, ready to go as soon as it happened. Uh, honestly, I was I was prepared after the game. Honestly, because you know we all remember uh, the Brett Bielema firing happening just minutes after the Missouri game a few years back. So it wasn't quite the same, but they they did wait and they did it uh, Sunday. News broke uh, Sunday morning. Uh, so it was it was definitely a, a very busy busy Sunday. Uh, but again, I, I'm not surprised at all because not only did they not progress like you mentioned but they regressed uh, they were getting just blown out it's one thing to get blown out by Alabama and Auburn those are very good teams you probably expect that uh, there's a big talent gap there however Mississippi State was really really struggling when they came to town and just beat Arkansas handedly and then the final nail in the coffin was provided by one tie story mm -hmm. coming in with Western Kentucky and not just beating Arkansas, but annihilating Arkansas. That, that should never happen to an SEC school, much less a school like Arkansas. Um, and it was, uh, it was very, it was a, as about as thorough of a beatdown as possible. I mean, Western Kentucky scored on its first uh, five possessions, scored touchdowns. And so I, I, knew, I knew at halftime that it was, the end was near, and I got, got everything ready to go. And uh, now, now it's moving on to the coaching search. Ty Story posted on Instagram and it had a quote from a song and I can't exactly remember at the moment, but 
it was pretty savage. It was like, I didn't forget anything. <laughs> and I, I feel like he kind of deserves that moment, you know? He got basically pushed out. Chad Morris said that they made it clear that they didn't want him to leave, which I don't know how true that is, but uh, it was good for him to be able to come back here and prove that he can play quarterback, unlike what a lot of people had to say last season. Yeah, he finally got his, his first win inside Razorback Stadium after uh, he was 0-9 as Arkansas starter in 2018. So it, it was a good moment for him. He's an Arkansas kid, four-star recruit. He could have gone anywhere, but he chose to stay home in Arkansas. And I think fans, even though he transferred, most fans still view him in a high regard. And I think most were, were glad that if anybody was going to provide the final nail in the coffin, that, that it was him. Saturday night was very stressful for me because I had a lot of people, people I don't know at all, like DMing me, try to like pass me info and I just, you know, you can't really go with any kind of information that you get from someone you don't even know, right? But I got one on Saturday night from someone who said a family member told them that the Chad Morris TV show that they do on Sunday nights had been canceled and that ended up being the piece of information that... I think it was Channel 5 News, was able to confirm that he had been fired because they, they host that show on Sunday night. Uh, but also heard that Barry Lunny was going to be the interim head coach. And to me, that's, that seemed like a pretty good decision. He'd been with the team before Chad Morris and with Chad Morris, so he knows every player on the team. And I feel like players have always responded really positively to him, except for perhaps you know, C.J. O'Grady, but... Who, who did he respond yeah, well to? <laughs> exactly. So, for me, it's it's hard. I, I got to know these coaches for quite a long time at SMU and then here at Arkansas, but they're all good people. They'll, they'll all land on their feet no matter where they go, but uh, I'm excited to get to cover a new staff for once in my career. How does it feel for you now that it's kind of like a new era, even though we still have these two games left. Yeah, it is It is a little tough. I mean, because you mentioned these guys are, these coaches are all good people. You know, people think that, oh, Chad Morris, he's a terrible football coach. You know, he, he deserves to be fired. He shouldn't get any of his buyout. He robbed yada, yada. Arkansas of all yeah. this money. But, but, I mean, he, he tried. Yeah. I mean, he just was a little in over his head, I feel like. And to, to credit Hunter Yurichek, he saw that, didn't prolong the suffering, and just went ahead and ripped the Band-Aid off. Uh, but it is unfortunate. You know, all these assistant coaches, uh, they they seem to be really good dudes. I've enjoyed getting to know them. Uh, got to play golf with a couple of them at the, the annual uh, media right. coaches golf tournament. Uh, so they're, they're good dudes, and, and I hope they uh, land on their feet. But it is it is exciting whenever the there is going to be a coaching change because it kind of breathes new life into the fan base. It was getting pretty stale. Uh, you know, on the message boards and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So th this has been good for, for business, but also uh, I think it's just good to have some excitement back in the program. Quick plug for business. That's a, that's a good intro. Uh, we have two deals running right now. If you have heard about hogbeat.com, but you haven't been, you know, convinced enough to throw money into it, you can get 30 days free with code HOGS30, H-A-W-G-S-30. Or if you are a monthly subscriber or you're looking to get a new annual subscription, you can either do 50% off an, an $100 subscription and you'll get $50 back in, in the form of a Rivals Team Shop gift card so you can get Arkansas gear, 
Um, and then if you aren't looking to buy new Arkansas gear, you can do um, 25% off, so just $75, and then we'll send you a $75 Adidas gift card. That is a pretty fantastic deal. When we come back, we will be talking about Barry Lunny some more, the coaching search, and what we've heard so far. Former tight ends coach and special teams coordinator Barry Lunny as the interim head coach, and we got to hear from him on Monday. Here is a quick clip of some of the best stuff that he said on Monday. Obviously, Hunter felt I was the right guy for this moment, and uh, there's no doubt in my mind that I am the right guy in this moment. Uh, and this is all about our players. And so our job and my job is to make sure that these next few weeks that we figure out a way to um, play like Razorbacks. Um, and we've lost that the last few weeks. And we're going to do our darndest and everything we can to pump some life back into these guys and, and go and play our best football game of the year when we go to Baton Rouge in a few weeks. To me, it sounded like he said all the right things and he just has a certain passion for the school that he's not going to let these two games just kind of blow by and not mean anything. Oh, 100%. I mean, and there's a reason for that. I mean, he, he's a kid who, or a guy who grew up in Arkansas. Uh, he was a, a standout high school athlete at Fort Smith Southside, came to Arkansas, was a, a four-year starter, one of the few true freshmen to start at quarterback for the Razorbacks, played baseball at Arkansas. Uh, he has coached in Arkansas both as a high school coach on his dad's staff. His dad, of course, is Barry Lenny Sr., legendary high school coach who won, I believe, eight state championships between Southside and Bentonville. And then, uh, you know, Bear, uh, Brett Bielema gave him an opportunity to, to get back into the coaching ranks, uh, college coaching ranks, uh, as he did earlier in his career. And uh, he took advantage of that by becoming a tight ends coach. And, you know, obviously part of it's because of the players that they've been able to recruit. You know, Bielema had a pretty good reputation for tight ends, but he has, he has coached up some really talented guys. I mean, Hunter Henry uh, was with him, Jeremy Sprinkle. Uh, you had, you know, Cheyenne O'Grady, we mentioned him earlier, uh, off the field issues, but no one can deny that he's incredibly talented. Uh, so it, he's, he's had a lot of success here at Arkansas, and, and he wants to see Arkansas succeed. He's, he's been successful, as I'm sure you could probably touch on more, but his in-state recruiting uh, has been pretty solid. So uh, I think that him being uh, the guy they tabbed is perfect, not only because of those ties to Arkansas, but he's also been in these players' shoes. He was on the team in 92 when Arkansas fired Jack Crow after the opening game and went to an interim coach in Joe Kimes. I think another, yeah, the, the experience with the interim coach situation, I feel like is going to help the team a lot because if you went on social media this weekend after Chad Morris was fired, there was a vast majority or a vast difference in ranges of emotions that they, were, they had going on on Twitter. Some people, it seemed like they're very genuinely happy with the decision to get rid of Chad Morris and others, especially the, the true freshmen that just signed to come in and be the class that Chad Morris, you know, used to turn the program around, it must be hard for them because a lot of them had some other very good options. Trey Knox, for example, he could have gone to Florida and look at the success they're having right now. Um, Hudson Henry, although he was probably always going to be a hog and play with his brother, he could have gone to Stanford, a very, very, very good university. So it must be tough for all these guys. Uh, 
not a whole lot of transfer rumors so far, but you know, once that new head coach is named, I would expect to see some because not everyone's going to be happy with the hire that's made. Yeah, there's there's definitely going to be some transfers. There always is, even when there isn't a coaching change. Uh, there's a little bit more when there is. Uh, but I think that uh, another big reason that Barry Lunny was good is because he's going to try to keep this team together. You know, he mentioned it in saying that when he was a freshman in 92 when he experienced the interim coach, you know, his freshman class you know, as seniors in 95, they helped Arkansas win the SEC West and make the first, uh, SEC championship game for the first time uh, in the SEC. So uh, that's that's going to be a big key for, for him to kind of hold steady and then for the new coach to not lose anyone significant, to try to keep the, the Trey Knoxes, the, the Hudson Henrys and the Traylon Burks and guys like that. You know, if you could keep those guys, K.J. Jefferson, then that, that's a pretty good starting point. I think that's what Barry's focus is right now is for on this team, but also trying to uh, set Arkansas up for future success. There was a huge uh, interest in, in hearing from Hunter Yurichek on Monday and what he had to say about where he sees the future of this program going. And these are kind of the expectations that he laid out both for Chad Morris and what he has for the future of the program. I thought our football program had taken some steps backwards in the past few weeks. I had one goal for our football program, one main goal for our football program as we headed into this season. is a simple goal. I wanted us to be competitive game in, game, game in and game out. Not to win the Southeastern Conference, but be, to be competitive game in and game out. And I think that was clear over the past couple of weeks uh, that we were no longer competitive. And a big thing about that is our student athletes. Those 120 men worked their tails off for nine months to have the reward and the opportunity to put on that uniform on 12 Saturdays during the fall. And that should be a rewarding experience for them. That should be something that they enjoy. And as I spent time with our student athletes before, during, and after games, I got the sense that they were no longer enjoying that experience on Saturdays. And now, Yurchik strikes me as a very intelligent guy. He made a great hire in Eric Musselman. Obviously, we don't know how that's going to pan out long term, but for right now, he seems like the perfect head coach of the basketball team. Uh, so I would expect him to make a very good hire, and I asked him on Monday, you know, how committed do you think donors and board members are going to be to you know, kind of shelling out whatever it takes uh, to get the guy that's necessary for this head coaching job, and he, he said 100%, right? Uh, so that's very positive. In your experience, has Arkansas always been 100% committed to getting the best guy? It's, I feel like in general, yes. The Arkansas, they have been committed financially to uh, bringing in solid coaches, uh, you know, you look at Brett Bielema, it didn't turn out well, but when they hired him, he was coming off for three straight Rose Bowl appearances. So that, that was a splashy hire. Uh, they, they have been committed. Uh, they, one reason Bielema came here is because he was able to get a, a more money to pay his assistants so that mm -hmm. way he could keep his assistants for longer. I think mm -hmm. that's going to be the major key. You're, you're going to have uh, enough money to pay a, a head coach, but are you going to be able to have enough money for that coach to bring in an A-plus staff? You know, can you, could you possibly make a Sam Pittman the highest paid offensive line coach in the country or non-coordinator in the country? That's going to be the big question, and I, I think it's there. I think there's a desire 
for the football team to return to prominence uh, like it was during the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even for a, a brief period of time uh, just eight, nine years ago. Here's what Nick Saban had to say about the Arkansas job. He said, it's a good job. History is the best indicator of what the future can bring. They've had some really good coaches all the way back to Houston. Bobby did a great job. I, don't, I do think in the last couple years, with turnover and personnel, it's not quite what it used to be. It's something that can be fixed with continuity and good staff. He shouts out, you know, Bobby Petrino and Houston Nutt. And naturally, those are two guys that people have been talking about, about, you know, maybe making a return trip over here to Arkansas. What do you think just about those two guys and the actual chances that they're in the mix to be rehired by Arkansas? Very, 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 very slim chance of either one of those happening. Uh, I, the Petrino one, which we're uh, going to have up in, in uh, today on Hogbeat, a, a case for, case against. I'm working on Bobby Petrino uh, as we record this, and he is not a legitimate candidate, I think. Yes, he did ask for forgiveness. He apologized. He got emotional at the Little Rock Touchdown Club earlier in the year. But he still has a ton of baggage. You know, people say, oh, he's a man. People make mistakes. Yes, people do make mistakes. People do need second chances. But his mistake was one that he compounded it by lying about it. He compounded it by hiring his mistress to the staff. Uh, that was not good. Uh, he didn't exactly have a ton of success when he went, got back to Louisville for his second stint there. Uh, he had a Heisman Trophy winner and never won 10 games. He uh, bottomed out. He was 2-8 and eight when he got fired. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. And, and Houston Nutt, he hasn't been in coaching for almost a decade. And when he last was in coaching, it did not end well at Ole Miss. It, it ended very poorly. So I think Houston, I think Houston would be, personally, if I had to pick one of them, I would pick Houston just because he is a master motivator. He is from this state. He understands this program. And he could maybe help get the program back on the right track for a year or two but uh, opposed to uh, Bobby Trino and then you'll maybe bring in someone else after that. Another guy that would potentially make a return trip to Arkansas is Gus Malzahn who continually pops up in these discussions. Just what do you think of that happening? I have heard that you know he's not going to leave Auburn if there's not a real reason to or if he's fired so what do you think of that potential I mean I think he's making seven million dollars a year or something like that mm -hmm. at Auburn so why why would you leave that he is on the perpetual hot seat uh, so I guess he would uh, get away from a little bit of that he's in the same state as Nick Saban arguably the greatest coach in the history of the game uh, so I could see why he might want to leave, but I feel like if, if he was going to leave, he would have done it two years ago. He had a great opportunity to leave, but instead he leveraged it into getting the massive contract I just mentioned. So uh, I, I don't envision that happening, but I mean, it seems like a lot of the national media keep mentioning his name in the search. So uh, uh, who knows? But I, I would be shocked if, if he comes here. And that's, that's come from me, who is actually... I actually kind of like Gus Malzahn. I'm a Springdale guy, so I watched him when he was at Springdale High School. Uh, I just I don't envision it happening. And then last one in this little return trip category, I did my case for a case against Sam Pittman, Georgia offensive line coach and associate head coach. Uh, lots of good reasons why you might want Sam Pittman as your head coach. 
he has a nice recruiting tree or a nice uh, coaching tree where he could potentially pull in some pretty good offensive and defensive coordinators. Um, his recruiting has just been fantastic. Even at Arkansas, the average for offensive line recruits greatly dropped off after he left Arkansas. And then at Georgia, I mean, you have the power of the Georgia brand, which is very strong these days. Uh, and he's been landing four and five stars. And his anyone that he offers tries to keep Georgia in the mix all the way to the end. Like they want to grab a spot in those recruiting classes. And he's managed to build a pretty incredible social media following with the most ridiculous corny videos that I've ever seen. But it works for some people, you know, especially when you're winning football games. Those kinds of things work. Um, but he has never been a head coach before. He was the head coach at Hutchinson, Hutchinson Community College. Um, so he's he's got some experience leading a whole staff, but that's not exactly the situation he'd be in here at Arkansas. He would be in charge of building that entire staff. I do like that since he's such a good recruiter, he would be able to find other good recruiters. I think that you know you can recognize some of your own qualities in other people, and you won't have like lame ducks on the staff. Exactly, and the fact that he is an offensive line coach, I think that gives you a solid core. I think that f coaches would want to come work for a guy like that because they know if you have a solid offensive line, you're going to be able to be at least effective on, on offense. I mean, uh, some of the Arkansas teams, the 2015 Arkansas team, his last year at Arkansas was awesome on offense, but even the years before that, they were at least effective on offense, and that was just because of how amazing that offensive line was, and I think that would be enticing for at least other offensive coaches to come to and, and, and work for him. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the more likely candidates and then some candidates that are probably just maybe too good to pick Arkansas at this point. Coming up. Yeah, I'm going to take my horse through the old town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. I'm going to take my horse through the old town road. I'm going to All right, starting off with a couple of coaches that are, you know, not at the SEC level right now but are having a lot of success. Uh, Matt Rule over at Baylor. He went, I believe it was like seven and six last season, and now he's like ten and one. Is that right? I think they're undefeated. I think well, they're <laughs> nine and zero oh or eight and zero. Oh. All right. Well, and that was after going one and eleven just the year before. Right. So they're having a lot of success. I feel like Baylor is a very comfortable job, and from what I've heard from coaches. Uh, around you know different leagues he's a guy that really wants to be in the NFL someday so he might not take that leap to move to Arkansas and risk I mean it's a very risky job at this point it's there's no guarantee that a turnaround to where Arkansas is actually towards the top of the SEC West there's no guarantee that's in the next four years even so uh, so he's out, ba Matt Rules at Baylor, um, and then we've got Mike Norvell at Memphis. And I think the thing about Mike Norvell is there are just going to be other options for him, um, and he's already one of the highest paid head coaches in the American Conference. Yeah, I mean, he has had a lot of success his four years uh, since taking over for Justin Fuente. He inherited a solid uh, program that was already trending in the right direction and he's kept it going. I mean they're 
currently eighth nationally in scoring offense, averaging 41.1 points a game. Uh, so they, they do have an exciting offense. And he's also, obviously, the, the, the draw to him, uh, even last time around when they hired Chad Morris, was that he has Arkansas ties. He mm-hmm. was a record-breaking wide receiver at UCA. Uh, so he's familiar with the area. He's recruited Arkansas, being you know Memphis is basic, uh, just over the Mississippi River from Arkansas. So uh, it, it makes sense uh, for him to be a, a candidate. But as you said, I think he's going to be a, a hot commodity this off season. It's uh, crazy when you actually think about all these candidates who do have Arkansas ties. Um, Rhett Lashley. I mean, I see him as more of an offensive coordinator type candidate. I think whoever is head coach has to give him a very solid look. He is now a Broyles nominee uh, for how good SMU is doing, and I think he would love to come back to Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, he played high school ball at at Shiloh Christian in Springdale for one Gus Malzahn, a record breaker uh, in that regard. He, I believe, played at Arkansas for a little bit, Uh, very familiar with the state as both a coach and a player. So I think he would be phenomenal in SMU. I mentioned Memphis being eighth, SMU sixth nationally in scoring, uh, averaging over 45 points a game. And so uh, that would be, I think, a, a excellent offensive coordinator hire. He also has experience in the SEC being a former offensive coordinator at Auburn for Malzahn. So uh, familiar with the conference, familiar with the state, this is his home. So I think that would be an, an excellent option as an offensive coordinator. Now, I probably could have read your coaching hotboard better to know this, but I didn't realize until today that Lane Kiffin, his dad, coached at Arkansas as a defensive coordinator. It's crazy how many of these guys have some kind of connection, and Kiffin is gaining a lot of steam on the Hogby message boards, and I think for good reason, because he's done some pretty good things with FAU so far. Yeah, and he's a guy that can go and and recruit. Uh, He's young. He's very active on social media. Uh, I remember earlier this season after Florida Atlantic was on the the bad end of some calls, he tweeted out a a picture with officials with uh, glasses like they were blind. Hilarious. Uh, Obviously, that's going to probably get you fined, but uh, I think he he is a... I just remembered that. (laughs) Yes, he's an excellent offensive mind. Uh, He helped kind of turn Alabama... Uh, bring Alabama into the modern world of uh, offense uh, and I think deserves a lot of credit for what they're doing right now. So I think he would be an excellent choice in a, in a name Arkansas, older Arkansas fans can remember because as you mentioned his dad Monty Kiffin uh, was a defensive coordinator here. Uh, I believe it was under Lou Holtz. So there, there is a, a the, the coaching tree that Arkansas has you'll learn as you become more familiar with Arkansas's history, uh, is pretty extensive because of Frank Broyles, Lou Holtz, and and even Ken Hatfield. I stand by what I said this week. There needs to be a coaching tree website because, I mean, it's just so hard to keep track of everything. I mean, I didn't cover the SEC until two years ago, so for me, a lot of these guys don't ring any bells because when you're covering a team like SMU, these guys just don't really come into the conversation. Yeah, you know, Wikipedia is is really helpful in that it has most of these coaches, like these head coaches, but some of them, like, I'm not sure if Rhett Lashley has a uh, Wikipedia page or anything, but you can piece them together. Uh, but yeah, I have, I have considered, as I texted you after you tweeted that, uh, I've considered creating a coaching tree website database type thing, because that would be extremely helpful, plus just really freaking cool. <laughs> 
Another guy who was immediately trending after Chad Morris was fired was Mike Leach over at Washington State. Uh, he has that, you know, air raid offense that can be very electric under Gardner, Gardner Minshew. He was, you know, the nation's leader in y passing yards. And the guy that they have now, I can't even remember his name, but he is also leading the nation in passing yards, even though Washington State is not doing as well this season. He has this <laughs> personality that is very unique. I have hardly seen it in any head coach. But he has a coaching tree that is very strong as well. Uh, you, ha you find guys like Wes Welker, Seth Luttrell, guys like that on the coaching tree, and I think that is a big reason to look at him. Plus, recruits know his name, whereas maybe a guy like Matt Campbell down here in the South, you might not have heard of him as much. Yeah, and he also has an SEC history. Uh, he was a, the offensive coordinator under Hal Mummy at Kentucky when Kentucky was scoring a million points you know, before anyone else was doing it. Uh, he actually has played Arkansas before and is quoted as the saying the loudest place, the loudest venue he's ever played in was War Memorial Stadium in Little Rock, believe it or not. Uh, so uh, he, he is definitely an intriguing option. Uh, he had explosive offenses both at Washington State, you mentioned that, but Texas Tech built it into a, a national power. Those are two places that traditionally don't have a lot of success in football. Uh, so he's a guy that can can win with less because of his his system. Uh, he's kind of he never really kind of broken through and made the college football playoff or anything like that. He was close last year, the year before. Uh, so there's a little concern as you know maybe does he have the defense that comes with it? Uh, but I think if if he came here and you partnered him with a a very good defensive coordinator, uh, then perhaps that that could be a recipe for success. You know, there's also a lot of good offensive and defensive coordinators out there, both at LSU, at Alabama. I just know it's going to be very hard, I think, to narrow down all these coaches. Uh, but there's one I feel like you definitely stay away from, and that's Hugh Freeze over at <laughs> Liberty. What are your thoughts on Mr. Freeze? Yeah, that uh, that is one I would stay away from just because he, yeah, he had a lot of success at Ole Miss. He, he beat Alabama in back-to-back -back years. But I think it's pretty clear why he was able to get those awesome players to Oxford. Uh, I think that uh, they got the best players money could buy. I think that was very obvious. I think he had to uh, not forfeit, but uh, vacate. Mm -hmm. the. I think he vacated like 27 wins, something like that, over his, his tenure. So that's... That's just kind of you know shaky. Of course, you know he also has that the moral side of it. You know what that, believe it or not, the NCAA violations isn't what got him out of Ole Miss. It was the uh, the calls to female escort services uh, that that led to his demise at Ole Miss. And of course, he resurfaced at Liberty. Uh, crazy, but uh, I, I don't see him. You know, I, I kind of view him. Uh, similarly to Bobby Petrino and even Art Bryles, those those guys just come with way too much baggage. Yeah, they win. Yeah, they have exciting offenses, but I just I don't think it's worth it. Last guy that is heavily trending right now is Matt Campbell over at Iowa State. He's he's done impressive things with a program that is not known historically for being all that great, but they have a lot of close losses. So 
you never know how someone's going to pan out at this level. What would you think of giving Matt Campbell a shot? I think he's an excellent football coach. Uh, people some maybe a little scared off by his 24 and 23 record at Iowa State, but again, that's Iowa State. That's a that's a place that's very hard to win. Uh, he's beaten multiple top 10 teams. I think he had a season last year, the year before, where he had two wins over top five teams. Uh, they've, as you mentioned, the close losses. I don't think he's been blown out yet with the Cyclones. Uh, so he he can he can ball. I mean, Arkansas fans should recognize that name. He was at Toledo when Toledo came uh, to War Memorial Stadium and knocked off Arkansas in 2015, which was probably Brett Bielema's best year, best team. So uh, he he can he can coach, but I think you mentioned it earlier is that he's a he's a northern guy and and probably uh, a guy that's could could wait around and, and buy his time until getting a Big Ten job, which. Know, maybe Michigan, Michigan State, one of those jobs comes open and he can he can go up there and do that. Recruiting is going to be a huge factor in deciding the next head coach. Uh, Hunter Yurchek is making the decision with the 2020 recruiting class in mind. When we come back, we will talk about that recruiting class and how they have 34 days basically to get this figured out before early signing day starts. days until the early signing period starts we know based on what happened in the 2018 class that the early signing period is very important um, Arkansas will basically need to make their hire like right as the season ends I don't think whoever they hire if they are currently leading as a head coach their team to a bowl game I don't I doubt they'll be able to coach in that game maybe they'll come back and fly in and let them do that but I doubt they'll be able to be there for all the weeks of practice um, because Arkansas is now down to just six commits uh, they need to get it up to 17 and probably more based on however many transfers leave the program after the season that's a lot of work uh, I remember when Chad Morris left SMU and Sonny Dykes departed on the, that journey to sign his 2018 class I wasn't here at Arkansas yet but he basically cut loose probably half the commits that Chad Morris had they actually stayed committed because you know at a school like SMU you don't maybe have as many options as the Arkansas commits but he cut half of them loose and had to go JUCO and transfers and you know find a few high school guys that he liked to fill that class it turned out pretty good two years later right but uh, it's a lot different for Arkansas because the elite players typically sign early and when your pool is shrunk down that large or that small you know you're gonna lose out on a lot of good athletes and a bad recruiting class will set you back I know the 20 the 2019 class was pretty big so they're gonna make up the core of your team for the next you know two three years but this this 2020 class is going to be equally as important and on top of that you lose your quarterback commit in Chandler Morris it, it wasn't surprising that he left but the quarterback position is very important by now all the top talent is signed or not yet signed but committed somewhere and planning to sign I know that they've reached out to Morlton, Devil Dog, uh, Jacoby Criswell 
and that would be a great option if they can get him to leave North Carolina. Um, that commitment is pretty strong. He's been one of their strongest recruiters. You always see him on Twitter, like, getting people excited that there's about to be another UNC commit. So flipping a guy like that might be hard, but he has always wanted to be a Razorback. Um, all of their offensive commits are gone. Uh, so they're going to need offensive linemen, wide receivers, the quarterback. Luckily, some of the in-state kids have decided to stay committed. I talked to Catrell Wallace today, and, I mean, his team is going on undefeated into the playoffs, and he's staying solid, and that's commendable because he, you at least expect the in-state kids to stay committed to the in-state school, you know. Exactly. The in-state kids are, are who you really need to, to lock down. That was something I was a little bit disappointed with how uh, the Chad Morris, his first class went down, as Chad lost several of the in-state kids. Uh, Flanagan, I believe, from Charleston went to Oklahoma State. Uh, Luke Jones went to Notre Dame. Granted, he's back now. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of those guys, uh, you, you, need to lock down, you need to lock down the Arkansas uh, kids. Now, you can't solely rely on the Arkansas kids, but they are very important to the core of whatever you're trying to do in recruiting. Uh, on the basketball side, we're currently in the middle of the early signing period for basketball. Um, Devontae Davis, who is committed at Jacksonville, he will be signing at his school on the 19th um, at noon, so that's one down. Um, Moses Moody, he is committed, but he will not sign in this early period. I don't want to read too much under that. Maybe he just wants to sign in February with you know all of his high school teammates. A lot of people want to do that. Um, Coming up on Saturday is Chris Moore. That's a huge decision. He's between Arkansas, Auburn, and Memphis. But uh, I got bullied into putting in my future cast pick for Arkansas yesterday. Pinto, shout out Pinto if you know him on, on Twitter or on Hogbeat. He told me just do it, lock him in, and then I got more confirmation today that it looks more and more like he's going to commit to Arkansas. So watch out for that Saturday, bef right before the Montana game at home in Bud Walton. And then Jalen Williams posted today that he will decide but not sign until the spring. Um, he will decide between Arkansas and Auburn, and I love Arkansas's chances there after talking to him after his uh, official visit last weekend. He just sounded like the staff sold him on the details and basically their plan for how they're going to turn him into an NBA prospect. Just give me your initial impressions of Musselman, both recruiting and with what he's done with the team so far. Well, recruiting is, is fantastic. Uh, it seems like they're you know, already got the two of the five big in-state recruits. K.K. K. Uh, K. K. Robinson mm -hmm. is the other guy that you didn't mention there that's an in-state guy. Uh, if, if you Even if they only get two or if they get three or four and not all five, then that's still impressive because I don't think a lot of these guys were even considering Arkansas uh, before the coaching change. Maybe Jalen Williams, but... Uh, Musselman has come in and in a short amount of time been able to develop those relationships and get them on board so phenomenal job recruiting wise as far as on the court uh, defense 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 they yeah. have been just uh, relentless on defense opponents have only made four of 42 three-pointers that's less than 10 percent that's something that I didn't know if I'd ever see with Arkansas they they struggled in that area in the past 
Uh, they still struggle with some things, you know, from time to time. They get out-rebounded because they have a lack of size. You know, they had a, a bunch of turnovers in their first game. But overall, they have been playing excellent, excellent defense. Held both of the opponents to 43 points. That's just barely a point a minute in college basketball. That is phenomenal. Uh, obviously, they won't be able to sustain that as they get to playing tougher and tougher opponents. But I think it's an excellent uh, starting point, and I think defense can travel. You know, they do have the capability to score and shoot, as Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe have shown. Uh, but if they have an off night, they can hold opponents and maybe win an, an ugly slugfest in the 50s. I hardly even pay attention to, you know, just how the offense moves and stuff because the defense is just so impressive. But I do feel like the team has more cohesion early than I thought that they would. And I guess it's because, you know, a big core of the team was together last year and they were young, so they kind of grew together. But I love the addition of Jimmy Witt. I think he's been playing great. Uh, I love the moment between, the, um, between him and Adriel Bailey. Uh, I think it was Tuesday night when... Jimmy was just complimenting him and saying, you know, I saw all these steals coming. He's been he's been on it, and that, that's really good to see. You know, he came to Arkansas initially, and it didn't work out, and he went to SMU, but for him to be able to come back here and have success now is really exciting for him. Uh, Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe being on is obviously critical, and they've both been on both games. Um, Isaiah Joe is shooting 47% from deep. That's Obviously, it's a very small sample size, but that's a fantastic start for him. And the rebounds, while that is obviously going to be an issue, Musselman pointed out some important mismatches that, you know, maybe we didn't think about, like Adriel Bailey being so much quicker in the middle than some other of these, you know, big, tall, lurchy big men. Um, so that's, you know, we can see that he has worked with a lot of teams, a lot of players, and been able to bring them together and play to their strengths and it's looking good 2-0 you know so far oh yeah and they they have uh, that's one big thing I've been impressed with Musselman is how he's been able to come up with strategize ways to compensate for these areas of struggle uh, you know another quick shout out too. they they're shooting 77 percent from the free throw line right now that that's like 10 percentage points better than last year uh, so that that's a significant improvement as well and uh, they they have they've impressed me. Obviously, North Texas, Rice. I think those are quality wins. Uh, quality wins over mid-major type teams. Uh, you're not playing the Indianas and the Georgia Techs and the Western Kentuckys that you're going to play later in the year all on the road. But it's still a, a quality win for Arkansas. And I, they've been a little bit better than than I expected at this point. The upcoming opponent is Montana, and they are one and one after games against Stanford and. MSU Northern. Uh, I think so, that's a D2 school. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, they are in the big sky. It's not supposed to be an extremely hard opponent, but I did think that North Texas will end up being a stronger game on the strength of schedule later on because, you know, they started last season pretty good and then kind of fell off towards, you know, in conference play. And but almost beat VCU on the road just a few days before coming to Bud Walton. But that defense... You know, they're, they're stopping everybody, and I, I hope it continues because the must bus is rolling on quite nicely, and we're having fun with it. We will have coverage of that Montana basketball game on Saturday afternoon. Uh, we'll have live updates on the, on the trough. <laughs> I can't even speak anymore, so it's definitely time to wrap up. Um, stay tuned on Saturday for Chris Moore's announcement 
for the Montana game. And it's the bye week, so enjoy this Razorback-free weekend. Thanks, everybody. See you later.